This is a podcast from 3RRR, 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. G'day, welcome aboard the Starship Zero G Science Fiction Fantasy and Historical Radio for episode number 1160, which is entitled Punishing Justice. Our podcast title today is Steppin' Pod. I am Rob Jan. And Megan McHugh. And here we are. We've I've been off to see Justice League and I think Megan has to. I have indeed. Yeah. And uh, I've also been watching The Punisher mm. on Netflix. I've had lots to do this weekend. Yeah. It was really difficult because, uh, look, I, I'm actually not um, a long-term Punisher fan. Um, so rather like Deadpool, I was sort of going, oh, you know, yeah. I don't know about this. But uh, I think I am. I'm a very conflicted f- fan, okay, and I'm not happy at all about um, having to uh, kind of get entertainment value out of a character who's a murderous vigilante. That does cause me, gives me the collywopples, actually, <laughs> but it's supposed to. He's and he's not the first of that kind of. You know, we're meant to be rooting for someone who isn't entirely. He's not at all above board. <laughs> No, he's not at all above board. He's a, oh, he's a he's a butcher basically. Uh, okay, and, uh, and and of course with magnificent timing, it had to drop at the same time as Justice League. Yes, so I mean, I think, and I think as well, because when did when did uh, Punisher come out? Last Friday. Friday. Not, yeah. yeah. I mean, look, I don't know if there's going to be that much overlap of people who would must see both because I think Justice League has lost some fans. Well, there's me. <laughs> so anyway, um, I wanted to say, uh, just make a note that we that the birthday of a, of a comic character, Sarah Pizzini, uh, Detective Sarah Pizzini from The Witchblade, mm-hmm. was on November the 18th. And I also found out watching The Punisher, and this is a not really a spoiler, that Frank Castle's birthday is on November the 15th. Oh, there you go. So we could actually sing happy birthday to The Punisher today on the show. But we're not going to do that. <laughs> happy birthday, Frank Castle. Oh, so bittersweet. <laughs> oh, now, um, we'll go for The Punisher first. Uh, <laughs> Francis... <laughs> Frank Castle is a fictional character. We know that he has been in many Marvel comics for quite a while. He was uh, made his first appearance back in 1974 in the Amazing Spider-Man comic, and he has had some links with Spidey across the days. Uh, not really the, the most um, cordial of team-ups when they two appear together either. Uh, of course, it was created by writer Jerry Conway and artists um, John Romita Sr. and Ross Andrew and Stan Lee sort of past his magic Stan Lee name, I wand over the uh, the name and gave it a go-ahead to call him The Punisher, which dropped on Friday, all 13 episodes of it. I got, I got 
tricked. I thought it was only six <laughs> for some reason. Actually, I know I always get tricked with that because they, they release like six for review. Yeah, you know, and it's like, oh, that's all. No, it's not. It's more than that. Brian Tyler actually has got a, a lot of credits in the um, in the world of television and cinematic scores. Did Samurai Jack season five. Uh, also Californication, Symbionic Titan, and a whole bunch of movies including Deadpool 2, Atomic Blonde, Guardians of the Galaxy 2, uh, both of the John Wick movies, uh, yeah. and also Guardians of the Galaxy 1, the bits that weren't the mixtape. <laughs> uh, Conan the Barbarian, Super with James Gunn, so he's done a lot of work with James Gunn. And oddly enough, Watchmen was Zack Snyder. Uh, so he's got, and also Sucker Punch as well. So a whole bunch of stuff there, and his work actually kind of bridges everything today a little bit because um, of all those other people he's worked with. I really like that theme though for the Punisher, and the um, the graphics that go with it are suitably ominous. There's a lot of uh, kind of X-rays of guns and stuff which you'd expect for the Punisher. And, but there's also a lot of um, inky sort of smoke blowing around. Okay. And at the moment I was looking at that, I thought Rorschach, you know, as in uh, the, the ink blot test. Yeah, the, yeah. And possibly also the Watchmen character too, actually, which is, uh, you know, one of those art imitating life type things. Um, and um, one of the, uh, the one of the Punishers, the original comic book co-creators, Jerry Conway, said that um, the Punisher is a great Rorschach test. What gives him some sustainability is you can put him into whatever you want as opposed to Spider-Man who truly is who he is and shouldn't be changed. The Punisher is a thin character on his own merits but that allows for a lot of interpretations and different angles of approach. And I kind of agree there. I think... Um, he is that kind of uh, that character who he lives <laughs> and hardly ever dies upon the um, the swords of the characters around him. Mm. Uh, he's, a fe- he's like a primal force, a lethal primal force, and it depends upon which, the way, which way the wind blows. And, and indeed, in this new series, one of the things they do straight off the bat is try and set him up to get uh, partners, but we'll, we'll get to that eventually. Uh, okay, we know that he's uh, a vigilante, um, one of the most extreme ones in uh, comic books, and he was at the time when he was created as well. Um, basically, Frank Castle was um, uh, a United States Marine Corps scout sniper uh, in whatever war he served in. Originally, it was Vietnam. Uh, actually, in, in some of the comic books, it still is at the moment, but... Um, He's been uh, retconned to have been serving in Afghanistan in this new series. Uh, We've seen this particular avatar of the Punisher before in the Daredevil series, Mm -hmm. uh, season two, uh, where he made his mark fairly significantly and really, you know, you can see why they greenlit a, a solo series quite soon thereafter. Um... He's uh, he lost his family in New York Central Park. Not just uh, they didn't just wander off; they were murdered by gangsters. Um, and there's a there's a reason for that, which will be explored in this uh, series when you watch it. Okay. Um, I think Megan, you might enjoy the conspiracy. Okay. In this, yep. the very substantial conspiracy. In fact, I felt like I was watching 
Free Days of the Condor, that old uh, Robert mm. Redford movie. I shouldn't say it's old. <laughs> um, <laughs> that classic. From the 1970s. Yeah, that classic. Uh, because there's a lot of spook action in it. Okay. Yeah, no, that does interest me. And since Frank was involved in uh, special forces operations in 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 um, Afghanistan, mm. um, black ops, yeah, right. operations and stuff, you know, there's some quite uh, awful things over there um, that uh, you just think, yeah, this is all going to go yeah. quite dark. They're and putting gritty. out a lot of different story threads that are possibly yeah. pretty, yeah, yeah, that are convoluted. Uh, instantly in the first three episodes, I mean, you're there. It's not. Um, it's not a slow burn like Iron Fist. The, st- the style looks pretty. So I haven't watched any yet, but I was watching the little trailer that they have on Netflix and mm. it looks like it's got a very clear sense of the tone and what it is. And yeah. even from watching the trailer, I got a pretty good sense of what I'd be in for in a good way in terms of I think it's been well thought out what they want to do with it. Well, it's a simple tone. It's pretty much black and white, you mm. know, like the Punisher. That very kind of war noir kind of yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, Battlefield Gothic. Yeah. Uh, of course, The Punisher has appeared before in media, uh, apart from the comic books, of course. Um, his main time in the comic books, they flowed through uh, up into the 80s and the 90s. Eventually, I think they cancelled his, um, his own title. Um, after which, of course, he went on a rampaging riot of revenge to get, take Typical. down the comic book took, publishing took house. Heads, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you know, and they didn't come back again really. I mean, he's appeared in other things, but, uh, you know, he's getting into the 2000s with Garth Ennis and, and his uh, really iconic takes on The Punisher, really hardcore stuff, which um, makes sense in, in terms of this particular type of... Um, unpleasantly violent character. This is one who you can... Like I said, I, I was never really a Punisher fan, but I've been mm. reading some of these Punisher Max comics and they're actually quite complex. I would have thought too maybe some of the themes and that kind of tone might be up your alley, really. Well, the, like, as I was saying last week when we were talking about um, Ennis's new comic book about um, the Punisher in Vietnam, mm. um, that was very interesting to me. Yeah. Uh, this um, this incarnation is also interesting because they took the trouble. Isn't it wonderful when they actually take the trouble to establish characters in other series <laughs> and, and say, yeah, okay, do, do you like this one? Or is it going to work? Yeah. Okay, Sets we'll go with the it. interest. And, yeah. I mean, which makes sense because... I mean, it's a good move on their part if mm. they can keep... No use churning out series that people aren't interested in with characters they don't want. Yeah. Um, Iron Fist. But, <laughs> I mean, it's such a strong character too. Like, I think in terms of they can do something very unique and clear with him, he's mm. quite different to some of the other things they've done. Like, even, you know... He's like... I mean, you know, if you gave Batman a gun <laughs> and, and Batman had no scruples at all about killing people, mm. he'd be like the Punisher, I reckon. Okay. Um, only with skulls instead of bats. Now, um, he's actually had a lot of other media appearances before. Um, this makes him sound like he's been doing the chat show circuit. Uh, on Spider-Man, the animated series, the superhero squad show, and these are the kids' shows. So they've actually, you know, they've, they've like dialed him right down to like about two or three and actually make fun of him a lot. Uh, I did see him in a more advanced uh, anime manga, um, Avengers Confidential, uh, Black Widow and Punisher, which is like, as I was saying, like a, a manga sort of anime take on the character. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, there are, are free films of varying degrees of either competence or incompetence. <laughs> There's Dolph Lundgren in the 1989 one. 
Thomas Jane in 2004 and uh, Ray Stevenson in 2008. And I thought Thomas Jane actually kind of really got into that um, particular Punisher mode, the best of those. Uh, and, of course, we've got Joan, Joan, John, that's J-O-N, Bernthal, who is now the Punisher, who is in uh, Daredevil Season 2 and now he is in mm. this new one. He's got such a striking features, I think. And a lot of people do strike them. <laughs> um, in terms of superpowers, his superpower is being a just a hard rage monkey without the green gamma ray juice. With, yeah, no chemical excuse per se. Um, there is... They have toyed with at various stages. Uh, when, when his family were massacred, he was also wounded. Yeah, right. Uh, and, and it um, sort of shut down part of his pain receptors, I seem to recall. Mm. So that allows him... You know, there's a lot of characters like that. Um, Kick-Ass was one of those, wasn't he? Uh, and there's been several others in um, in superhero who don't feel pain. Yeah. But... Um, He's also the character himself doesn't like to take uh, painkillers because it makes him fuzzes up his edge. <laughs> He's got plenty of edge to go around. Yeah. I didn't actually notice whether or not he was popping pills in this one. Or not. I can't remember. Um, anyway, uh, this is all created by this new series is created by Steve Lightfoot. He's the showrunner. We've seen his work before on Hannibal and uh, Casualty, um, House of Saddam which was about the rise and fall of Saddam Hussein. And that's actually a key uh, element in his past because he's brought some actors from that too over onto this um, right. production. Um, Transporter, the series, and that's based on the uh, the movies. Uh, Camelot and Hannibal and Narcos. So he's actually a showrunner who does have a fair bit of expertise in the kind of areas that The Punisher would be moving in. That's always a good start. And... Um, There are over 400 refugees and asylum seekers still in the detention centre on Manus Island. They've been living without running water, regular food supplies, medicine or electricity. They say they are thirsty, hungry and sick, but refuse to leave because they feel unsafe. Many say the accommodation they've been told to move to remains unfinished and uninhabitable. The UN have described the situation as a humanitarian emergency and urged Australia and PNG to find a humane approach to end what they describe as unconscionable human suffering. If you would like to register your concern with what's happening on Manus, you can call the Prime Minister's office on 02-6277-7700. Only minimal details are required and it will only take a few moments of your time. A Triple R community service announcement. This is Neil Gaiman. In the dangerous alphabet zero, G comes last. Z waits alone and it's not for a thing. Hmm. It's Neil himself's birthday this month too. I've seen the first five episodes of the series. Um, I'm impressed. Mm -hmm. Uh, I didn't expect to like it much. I'm troubled that I do. (laughs) Why why is that troubling? Well... It's pretty savage from what I gather. It's absolutely savage. And it is quite a... Uh, descent into the the gun culture of the United States. Yeah. I and mean, it's all about guns. Yeah. I suppose it is very different environment and different core themes than some of the other mm. ones mm. in that series, you know, which is more about, you know, street, I don't know, street life and it's not as heavy, I guess. And to be honest, 
guns are a bit primitive when you've got Stark Tech. <laughs> Give me pew, pew, pew instead of ratatatatata any day. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, there's a, there's a whole bunch of stuff you could unpack there. I mean, th- this is a show whose trailer had to be... Um, put off for a while before they released it because it just happened to come out at the same time as the one of the many gun mm. massacres in the US. And, you know, I mean, what can you do with a property like this? There's never going to be a good time in the US. Yeah, and I suppose it. that's it. What do they do with the... Do they take that on as a theme or is it just mm. guns just play a large role in the series? Mm. It's probably, yeah... Oh, I guess it's going to be popular with one segment of the US population. I mean, but is it? Do the guns feature as like? Is it a pretty big? I mean, I know it's kind of a military he doesn't, um, he vigilante doesn't, thing. He doesn't name any. <laughs> it's not. You know, it doesn't. This is not Vera, my assault rifle. Does it try to be a bit about some of those gun control themes, though, or is it just a? No, nah, we're doing. This is a military thing. We're not yeah, going to even a, try to a, do it's any. It's a paramilitary show, basically. Okay, um, I suppose in it. So not. far, I mean, there are. You know, there are th- things in it that make you think, oh, it's not a, mm. a very savoury thing and maybe there's a better way to do this and and sometimes there are. Yeah. And in this series we do see Frank come to a more merciful approach to some things. Okay. I suppose then that's something. Mind you, his idea of mercy is pistol whipping you. <laughs> well, I guess that is, you know, different to getting shot in the face. Yeah, exactly. Um, where uh, all, you know... Where all of the other Netflix shows have had a, a degree of violence in them, sometimes a great mm. Well, Daredevil's no shy thing. No. Well, those are all influenced too by some of the, the harder-edged versions. Um, you know, it's more Garthiness um, writing stuff. Yeah. Um, and where... So just think of all of those shows translated to, into this. So instead of fists mm. and uh, what's... Uh, and feet. <laughs> Sorry, <fist. laughs> and leaping and, and things leaping and, and throwing and heavy stuff. And you yeah. know, that stuff. Uh, fist, giant fist, it's iron guns. fists or whatever. It's guns. And he's... Um, and also all of his special forces training too. Yeah, so are there gadgets? Like military gadgets? No, he's not into that at this stage. Uh, in the comic books, of course, he, he has a great deal of um, gadgetry that he Bits can deploy. Yeah, right. Um, right. But um, in here it's just... It's more contemporary sort of stuff. In mm. fact... Now, that's a good point. In fact, it's... Um, if you were to look at the MCU, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and say, does this Punisher fit into that? Mm. Very sparingly. Mm. You know, mm. the only real elements that, that, in, that um, cross over from the movies are things like the Battle of New York poster on the wall, mm. the newspaper headline in the newspaper office, which has been there for which all of the Which they've done, ones. yeah, they've done throughout. You know, there's a few other Easter eggs in there and actually quite a few Easter eggs from the comics. Uh, but the main crossover is actually a secondary crossover, which is characters from the other Netflix series mm. carried over into this. So do you think then it's probably more of a bonus series that adds as a extra flesh for the Marvel Netflix yes. stuff yes. rather than something they're going to really incorporate? So it's sort of a little side path rather mm. than a, another brand new yeah. branch. That said, if you actually needed a sniper and um, Hawkeye wasn't available or the Black Widow, this is the guy you go to. I can't imagine him slotting into that team, though. (laughs) But I suppose you could say that about a few of the Avengers. (laughs) Not into the normal Avengers, but certainly the Deadpool part of it, the weird weird part. Although I'd dearly love to see him teamed up with Squirrel Girl. 
And he does fit in aesthetically, I guess, from what I've seen. And, I mean, even also being in Daredevil, in that gritty kind of more energy that the series have. Hmm. So that kind of makes sense as yeah. something they could do down the line. I, more I think of. I think John is, uh, John Berthel is, uh, we know him from um, The Walking Dead, mm. the early parts of that. He is, um, he's excellent in this role. He mm. actually, he embodies it and it's, he, he's perfect actually. You can tell even from the bits that you see. I think he gives quite, he, he fits in really well. The only other person I think of who would work in this, maybe a bit younger or, or so on, or maybe as an older Punisher, would be John Hamm, another mm. J guy. That's only because you've seen him be more edgy recently in, like, yeah, yeah. Baby Driver and things like that. <laughs> but, but, no, he actually, his face reminds me of, of what I've seen of The Punisher. Yeah, sure. No, he does have that kind of square. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Bit of pumping iron, they would have to do. Yeah, he's quite lean at the moment. Yeah. Need to hit the gym. Yeah, says me. <laughs> okay, but I think, actually, given that this character is a really hard one to pitch... Yeah. Uh, ..to grasp any humanity out of... Well, apart mm. from the shallow humanity of him being a father and a husband who's lost everything. Which is such an easy shortcut, I think, sometimes, yeah. to getting some uh, of that emotional stuff. That's what I mean. I don't mean it's a shallow thing to have that happen to you. Oh, yeah, but it's a very shallow plot point to yeah, give to, him yeah, it's more easy depth. To, easy to reach. But he actually goes backwards and forwards in, the, in, in this... Um, in the first episodes I've seen uh, because I don't know if they shot the flashbacks in some kind of sequence. I think not. Mm. But there are flashbacks to his time in Afghanistan, to his time before the war, to after he's come back from one of the tours of duty. So they actually mix it up quite a bit and for an actor that's a real challenge because they're changing gears. And I guess if he wants to have a flow of how his character develops, he needs to be... I've been thinking about that a lot recently. You'd have to be in the mindset of what you what that character was, you know, early on, mid yeah. and later and tap into that in flashbacks and things? I, I picture the actor as having a, a, a cork board at home with pictures and strings and... Yeah, like a serial <laughs> killer <laughs> wall. <laughs> but, you know, it does actually... This is a role that actually does make me fear for the actor's sanity at times. Mm. You know, you can just see that. Uh, he is great in that mm-hmm. there's no problem at all there. Uh, he deserves every reward. <laughs> no are, punishments. Fewer bruises. <laughs> what are some of the support characters? Are they any good? Uh, absolutely, yeah. Ebon Moss uh, Bakrak is playing Dave, David Lieberman, uh, also known as um, Micro, short for uh, Microchip. <laughs> He's the computer guy. Right. Last seen in Last Ship as uh, Dr. Neil Sorensen, the, one of the villains. Ah, uh, okay, yep. Uh, and he is a, a former NSA analyst. And as I was saying to, to my partner, Gail, as uh, we were watching the early episodes, I said, you know what Frank really needs? He needs a spotter. He was a sniper mm. in the military. He needs a spotter. And a ding. <laughs> <laughs> That's the appearance of this guy. He is actually um, brilliantly written mm-hmm. and extremely well acted. Um, and it just works with the Punisher and actually provides, he actually brings out, God help us, some humour. Yeah. In Frank's well, you role. need that, I think, and it needs to be pitched just right. And they actually, after a couple of episodes, they actually begin to sound like a bickering couple. <laughs> it's like, how can you do this and actually make that work? But they did. That's good. We've also got Ben Barnes playing Billy Russo. Um, 
uh, Castle's best friend when he was in the uh, Marine Force Recon. So lots of flashbacks and things mm-hmm. there. Uh, he's an English actor. We've seen him as uh, King Caspian the Tenth in the Chronicles of Narnia film. Mm. And he was also in uh, Westworld and the title character in Dorian Gray in 2009. Yes, um, he does have that look, doesn't he? Yes, he's, 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 a, he's a good presence in the film. Um, and it, it actually makes a good contrast whenever you go to, back to somebody less psycho- <laughs> Frank, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, speaking of which, um, we've also got uh, Amber Rose Reva. Uh, she's a Persian actress and um, she's uh, uh, was... Um, oh, no, sorry, she's not the Persian actress. I'm sorry. There's a few people in here who were in House of Saddam and um, she's a Iranian... Uh, she was. She plays an Iranian American Department of Homeland Security agent <laughs> stationed in Afghanistan. So they've got a connection there. And one of the things is, all of these characters are quite interconnected. Yeah. Uh, even if they haven't met before in like Daredevil. Yeah. So there's that sort of thing going on there. Um, she really nails her role too, and she's kind of playing it up to the couple of tropes that they throw in from 1970s vigilante movies. Okay. Yeah, there's a, there's a definite strain of um, Dirty Harry, uh, Bullet, especially a car chase, um, and other shows from that era. There's one other one I'm trying to think of, uh, Charles Bronson, um, where he plays, it's Deaf, uh, Deaf Proof or something like that. Not, maybe not Deaf Proof, but you know the ones. Um, and these are... She actually works in that context. Okay. She, she actually slot back into that. I feel a little bit Luke Cagey when I'm watching <laughs> watching it at times. Um, we've got somebody who you know too. Uh, oh yes, uh, one of those um, people from Veronica Mars. Oh yes, uh, Jamie Ray Newman playing um, Sarah Lieberman, Micro's wife. Uh, she was uh, Mindy O'Dell in. Um, in, uh, in uh, Veronica Mars. And also I've seen her as Tess Fontana in uh, Eureka. Mm. Uh, and these other characters, these family characters, we've got two family groups, um, Frank's dead family yep. and um, David's living family. Mm-hmm. And there's complicated interplays between the memories and the realities of those. Mm. Um, I was watching that thinking they took the time to do that. That was actually worth doing. Yeah. So, oh, it doesn't really sound like it's very... Um, it, pay, it, it pays to watch with some attention to these things. Okay. Uh, and I'm normally not one for watching from the family relationships and yeah. stuff, but they actually call If it's eye. done well, if it's done well. Of course, we've got Deborah Ann Wall in there as Karen Page, a reporter. We've yep. seen her before in um, uh, Daredevil and so on. Uh, uh, I remember her as um, Bill's uh, vampire project yeah, in Jessica. True Blood. Jessica, yeah. yeah. She was she was not really advanced vampire. She was good though. <laughs> I remember hating her character at first, but she really you really start to like her. I think that was a pretty good. We've got an Australian actor in here too, um, da, 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 Daniel Weber, uh, oh. who's uh, from New South Wales, and you know him as Lee Harvey Oswald in eleven twenty two sixty three. Ah, but, yeah, he, uh, he. I wouldn't. Hmm. He's got very kind of. I do recognise him. He's got very distinct features. He's one of the. He's uh, he's a veteran in this series who's having a bit of um, um, PTSD problems of readjusting to society. Oh, good on him! Um, I mean, not that <laughs> getting a role in this, yeah, not the yeah. PTSD. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you. he got. He's been getting some good roles. 
Yeah. <laughs> Boy from New South Wales, etc., etc. They actually do go into that quite a bit. There would actually be room here for an MCU crossover. They could um, do some stuff with Captain America's veteran groups and stuff. Mm. You know, there'd be room for that if they wanted to try for that. Uh, anyway, um, there are quite a few other good supporting actors in here. Um, I don't propose to go through them all here, but um, I will mention, because um, <laughs> they just keep finding interesting links in here for me, uh, Clancy Brown mm-hmm. appears again. Um, he's seen before. If you're going to have somebody who's playing a hard-bitten uh, military major, it would be Clancy Brown somewhere along the way. Uh, but um, there's uh, Shore Agdashlu, who plays um, the mother of the uh, the um, 1970s channeling agent I talked before. Uh, she's a, a psychiatrist and she is a Persian-American actress uh, and she was in House of Sand and Fog. I remember seeing oh. that back in 2003, uh, you know, with Ben Kingsley. And, yeah. And um, she was also in House of Saddam. So you can see all of these things the showrunners brought in. But she was also in X-Men The Last Stand. Huh. And we have That's seen the one that. I've tried to forget. Ah, yes. yes. <laughs> and Star Trek Beyond as Commodore Paris. So oh, cool. So have got all these little links here. So anyway, I, I was just going off there, but of course the, uh, we've got um, Turk mm. appearing again. That's a character, Turk, who's been in all of these Netflix ones. <laughs> there's something slightly dodgy. Yeah. And you're thinking if there's one encounter with the law that he's, or, the, you know, the, the law that he's not going to survive, it's with the Punisher. Yeah. Every other one he's wormed his way out of. But, but mm, this is the Punisher. I know. There's no, there's no exit avenues with him. Oh, well, you know. Oh, and we've got a guest star appearance from Mary Elizabeth Mastrantonio hmm? in the wind as well. Okay, so um, I, I have... I've got a grim enjoyment out of this series. Mm-hmm. I want to see... I'm going to finish it off because I want to see where it goes. Uh, and, yeah, I, I think it stands up with the other ones, not in the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, but It's doing its own thing. It's doing its own thing. Is it giving us a coherent um, look at the uh, gun debate in America? I'm not entirely sure because mm. I haven't finished the show yet. And I guess it's not... That's not really its role per se. No. I guess if it's a paramilitary kind of thing, obviously, in the context of that. They're certainly doing a thoroughgoing examination of um, what it's like to be a veteran. Mm. Well, I think I respect that. I think as long as they're engaging with some of those themes. I do think that's required these days. Like, I sound like, you know, a bit of a square. But I do think in a lot of these things, if you're, you know, people just don't respond to just violence now. You need to have some other stuff in there. Well, they have to be, you know. Also, there's a bit of... um, uh, white nationalism that shows its rears its ugly head in the uh, in the thing. Oh, sorry, white national white supremacist nationalism. You know that, sure. that whole ugly thing. That kind of movements. So they are actually looking at different things along the way mm. there, which makes sense. I mean, if it's working in context, all the smart shows do those types of things, which I yeah. think is important. Yeah. Okay. That's the Punisher. It's on mm-hmm. Netflix now. Um, I give it a shot, but that's probably in bad <laughs> but taste. Prepare yourself, I prepare guess. Prepare yourself. It's it's quite um, quite violent. Mm. Um, so are the other Netflix shows too. They are. Which I mean, I mean, who'd have thought? Like back in the day, you couldn't be that violent on TV, but mm. Netflix ain't TV. No, that's right. I'm Terry Pratchett, the undeservedly famous author of the Discworld novels, so you can believe me when I say that Zero G on 3 Triple R is the finest science fiction and fantasy show this side of the black stump. 
I also think Dibbler's delicious pork sausages are the finest eating anywhere anywhere in the world, so you know you can trust me on this. Ha 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 with three exclamation marks. Ah, there we go. Steppenwolf with Monster from the Born to be Wild album. And just want to mention that Monster Fest is on this week at the Lido Cinema in Hawthorne and other venues from the 23rd of November to the 26th. Uh, this has been an annual event. This is its seventh year and they are always bringing some really cutting edge, so to speak, horror to the screens. Um, so a number of talks and short programs as well as features. Uh, just go and check out their website. There's far too much for me to encompass here on the show. So many different things. I've always enjoyed the program for Monster Fest. Cool. So, yeah. Yeah, and that also plays off Monster, which we just talked about. And I was saying that it sort of um, does a bit about the uh, the uh, the world of um, the contemporary times and also the future times that we're talking about with Justice League, which also came up over the weekend. Mm. That seems like it came up really quickly. Mm. I didn't realise it was already time for that. Well, here's the thing. This is a $300 million reportedly. I did not realise it was that much. Yeah, a huge amount. A lot of that was spent on trying to CGI out um, Henry Cavell's (laughs) moustache. Was it? (laughs) (laughs) To moderate effect. Henry Cavill? Henry Cavill? Whatever. He's supposed to be able to... You can't be too cavalier with the spelling. Uh, with the pronunciation. He's supposed to be able to uh, erase the moustache of his heat vision. Well, that would have come in more handy. <laughs> Maybe, they could have yeah. spent those dollars elsewhere. Okay, well, just Justice League is the big Marvel, whatever the hell they're calling it, their cinematic um, entertainment universe or whatever it is, DC, direct competition. Mm. <laughs> no, it's not. It's detective comics. <laughs> <laughs> and direct, direct competition. Direct competition. Okay, look. They've they've got some handicaps first out of the gate. Um, The fact that there have been four other major Mm. superhero movies this year. Wonder Woman, which is one of theirs. Yeah. And um, Guardians of the Galaxy 2, Spider-Man Homecoming and also Thor Ragnarok. Not that long ago as well, which has received a lot of acclaim and people are going into this having just probably seen Thor fairly recently. Hmm. So if you're a superhero fan, you've already spent over 100 bucks at the cinema on tickets. And personally, I find that, that suite of films, and it, you're right, it includes Wonder Woman, which is one of theirs. Mm. They're all really good for different reasons mm. and in different ways. If I had to grade this against those, this would not be above any of them. No, I agree. But, but. it's not a total turd. No. That's it, what I'd like to it, say. It's, it's not... It's not, uh, although it is actually the third movie of this particular sequence. <laughs> <laughs> There's Man of Steel. Is it the Batman th- versus Superman. Wasn't there a second Superman one. film? No. Oh. Uh, well, there's um, a nightmare Superman Returns before that. Yeah, I must be thinking. Okay, so I'm thinking of Cavill being in Batman versus Batman Superman, Superman counts as a second. And then like Suicide Superman. Squad's happening over there yeah, to yeah. the side. And we won't even bother about that. Uh, okay, it's directed by Zack Snyder and also worked on by Joss Some Whedon. Some input from yeah, um, look, finished up. Uh, terrible tragedy. Um, Zack Snyder's uh, daughter and um, has passed away, mm. and you know that, that, yeah. that just it actually makes me want to go easy on the film. Yeah, um, because really, it's not the director's full vision anymore. No, and I do agree that when something like that happens, it changes 
the final product. Yeah. And I think that it's good to keep that in mind. Although I do think, you know... Um, but they haven't just roped in any hack director to finish it off. Mm. It's Joss Whedon. You know, this is the man who made the Avengers fly. And it's assemble. very hard to know what elements... Were you know like how no. it's very hard to no, not pull at that all, apart. Actually, if you look at the, um, you know, if you just going on the past films of uh, Man of Steel and Batman versus Superman, um, you can see a lot of the humour. It, it has to have come from Joss. It feels exactly like his work. But a lot of that would have had to already have been in the script, though. Ah, uh, but he's actually credited on the script too. Because Maybe of he did the work add in some. Done. But I will say, I think some of the comedy notes didn't really land for me, to be honest. Mm-hmm. But I think you're right. Probably some of those more light-hearted moments, um, you're right. Based on previous examples, that's probably been a later addition. But we don't know either. So not only is DC coming in second with their team up, mm. um, even though they've, I mean, you know, you go back in the in the history, uh, the animated stuff like Super Friends, you know, back mm. in the seventies and so they've on. They've been doing things. They've been doing that forever. You know, one of their other handicaps is the fact that they have a multiverse, which means. Uh, their comics, their films, their TV and their animated series have got nothing to do with each other. Mm. Whereas the MCU has their comics uh, separate, sort of, and their films and TV and animated stuff are starting or have been flowing together. Yeah. You know, like um, uh, the, the Avengers movies, you can go and watch um, uh, Avengers Assemble, which is one of the animated series, straight off. Yeah. And feel like you're exactly in the same universe. Mm. You know, there's no problem there at all. Um and, of course, their, their television series and stuff. Whereas DC, they've had problems with, um, you know, you've got your Arrow, you've got your um, Gotham. Yeah, and I think they're... Supergirl. Yeah, and The Flash the on Flash. CW. None of those actors are playing the same characters I here. think there was discussion about The Flash, but then I think there was a specific decision to keep all of those TV properties separate. Yeah. I know it's so. a different way of doing it, but I can't yeah, keep up with it. I also think that... Yeah, I mean, they've had a bit of a haphazard approach and so the outcome, I think, has not resonated that much. So the screenplay and the story have also got, um, apart from Joss's name and Zack Snyder on it, um, Chris Terrio, who did Batman vs Superman, is working on Star Wars Episode Nine and Justice League 2 as well. The plot on this is, um, this is another one of those, it's a really crappy plot. Um, and it's and the problem is it's the same crappy plot as say Thor Dark World. It's also got a crappy villain, which I think yeah. plays a large part. I mean, these ensemble movies where you're bringing a gang together, usually the weak parts are when the gang is separate, and the good is once they come together. I actually felt the opposite for this: that the better parts of the film were the individual parts. And I feel like because they didn't have much chemistry together, once they came together, the movie actually got significantly worse. Hmm. So, hmm. which I mean is already, that's not a good thing. <laughs> I'm sitting, sitting there. Okay, let's, let's just shuffle through, through the complex, well, sort of complex plot. Um, you've got this character called Steppenwolf. Mm. <laughs> and there's a reason for that. It's a Jack Kirby character and, you know, it's all sort of with Dark Seed and um, all of those other cosmic characters of Jack Kirby that he created in the 1970s and so on. Um, 
which have actually featured in some in some small way in the Smallville series, actually, mm. as well. So they already had a, a template there. So there is some resonance with Steppenwolf. He's actually the, I think he's the uncle of Darkseid or something. Mm. Yeah, Darkseid is like their Thanos. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and what they're looking for, not Infinity Stones. <laughs> See, this is it. Yeah. yeah. I thought that too. I was like, oh, this is your version of the Infinity Stones. Okay, good. Here they're called Mother Boxes mm. and they're like cosmic cubes that have to come together. Um, and each of these have been scattered, three of these things have been scattered across the earth in the hands of um, the uh, Olympian gods, the Amazons, the people from the Atlanteans, mm. the ancient humans and the Green Lanterns. Um, their, their army came together and stopped them all in ancient times. So there's a little Lord of the Rings sort of thing going on there too. Yeah, I thought that was kind of cool. Mm. Uh, and so we're in the present day now and these boxes are starting to rumble again and, yeah. and Steppenwolf is going to return and try and collect them all because he's like a Pokemon master. Yeah, exactly. He wants to catch <laughs> he wants to catch them. And then destroy the world and rebuild it in his mm. image. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so just well, like any Pokemon master. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Only the cubes and not spheres. Uh, okay, so I, this film is not as bad as I feared it would be. Agree. In spite of that clunky plot, um, it's certainly better than Batman versus Superman and Man of Steel. I mean, by far, I think one of the main reasons for this is Wonder Woman... Even in the first time, I'm like, I really, we could dispense with all this other stuff. I just want to watch more Wonder Woman. Yeah. And there was more Amazons, which was great. Great fight scenes. Clear high point. Yes. Yeah. The Watching the first um, 15 minutes of this or so, 20 minutes, I'm actually going, yeah, this is actually all right. Yeah, agreed. Uh, and as you said, uh, I hadn't thought about that, actually. The individual sequences of the heroes before they meet, or, or at least it's just Batman going around. It was actually well them. juggled. It was quite well timed. Yeah. And I felt like seeing a bit of each world and some of the Aquaman set up and I actually, and even the Flash set up, some of them were thinner than others, but... Mm. I actually thought that was all done really well. And like I said, the weakness starts when the movie really picks up, which is quite a shame. They even managed to um, get to, um, um, Danny Elfman doing the music for this. Yeah. One. And he does actually pull off some riffs from John Williams' score and Zimmerman's Superman thing and, uh, and uh, also some Wonder Woman riffs. And, Do you think... And Batman too, obviously. Yeah. 1980s Batman. And there are some callbacks to that, which mm. almost make it worthwhile to think that this is the same Batman as Michael Keaton and Tim Burton did? Yeah, there is some... Almost. Because um, Ben Affleck plays Batman as an, an old, worn-out Batman. I've got to be... I mean, it is more clear than ever to me that he is out of his league, which is spoken about. Considering he's supposed to be in the league. But honestly, <laughs> like, I think of him, like, he's kind of... There's a difference between fighting a criminal gangster and fighting some kind of interdimensional godlike creature. At the end of the day... He's a, a feeble human and he might be used to dealing with, like, human darkness, but I think in terms of like interdimensional darkness, he just he sticks out like a sore thumb, a well, bruised and swollen sore thumb. <laughs> yes, and yes and no. He's got his um, enormous wealth, uh, which is actually a factor, and, you know, he just bribed them to go away. I just, I don't know. I, I really, it became more clear to me. Like, I think for me, Batman's strength has always been in those more kind of Marvel TV series kinds of plots. Like, you know, Human Darkness, his villains are always have some kind of element of that. Or it's, this is a very different playing field. I think we've really taken it up several notches. Did we actually see him in this movie? This is a minor, minor, minor spoiler. See him, see Batman um, leave a criminal on a rooftop without actually arresting yes. him? Yes. We did. He oh. just, he did. They did no, we him. didn't see the end of that scene. No. I feel like maybe he wrapped him up and put him somewhere. Yeah. 
maybe. Maybe he forgot. Maybe it wouldn't surprise me. He's, he's probably taken a few knocks to the head. One too many blows. Yeah. Forgotten. <laughs> anyway, sorry. That was just my rant on, on Batman. I really I felt, I felt by, bad for but, him. But by that, that standard, then neither Hawkeye or Black Widow should be fighting Chitauri and aliens and Thanos. And but it's, see, it doesn't reek as much when it's them. There's just something <laughs> about... And I love Batman. Like, he's... Yeah. I think... But I honestly feel like even if it's maybe the way they tackled it or the way Ben Affleck plays it, it makes him look more useless than what I think he actually is. You know what Batman's problem is? He's like Tony Stark, actually. Very much like him, only without the moxie mm. <laughs> and the winning personality. <laughs> um, uh, his problem is that he's not a combat engineer. Stark thinks on his feet with engineering mm. solutions and, and whips it up on the spot. He is actually their, their tech guy as well, uh, the Avengers. Uh, but Batman is, doesn't... He, I mean, he's good at the prep... You see him holding a wrench at one point. Like, I'm assuming he's good at some... Yeah. But anyway, sorry, yeah. moving on yeah, from moving him. On. Right, this is actually a, a film you can do by picking apart the characters. The Steppenwolf um, um, villain, uh, some very unconvincing CGI. Terrible. It, it doesn't give you anything to work with. Uh, you've got Sierra and Hines doing the voice, which is normally yeah. a good thing. But and I know for these early ones where it's a build and the focus is meant to be on the heroes, we always have a bit of a weak villain, so it's an easy... But he was cardboard. One? He was... You know, it look, just wasn't... Ultron with James Spader is, is oh. ten times better than this. Oh, no. Uh, Ultron is, I mean, a very, very good villain. Yeah. Um, this this guy is nothing. You know, there's, he gets one good, and I'm sure it's a Joss Whedon line, mm. one good line in the entire movie. Yeah. One good line. But, you know, oh. yeah, it's, it's a bit of a shame, really. I'm not even sure. They don't even really go for his, explain his power set properly in this. Uh, he's, he might as well just be a robot or something like that. Mm. Well, think, they're all a little bit robotic. <laughs> yes. Um, ben Affleck, I don't know if he's bringing everything he could to Batman. I do like his take on uh, the older sort of weary Batman. And that is, is I do like older weary Batman stuff. Like. Yeah. Um, Dark Knight and things, I think that's an older... No, is it The long, the Longer Bite? I can't remember. Yeah. Older Batman, I'm into that. I think that's a really good character and I think that would work well here, but there's something that's not clicking. It, it works all right when he gets into... Um, when he talks with um, Diana, obviously, he, yeah. he, he actually can't handle Wonder Woman and it, he blinks and you see him suddenly revert to Bruce Wayne. Yeah. That's actually quite well studied, I thought. Um, he, well, actually, this is a character we don't really want to talk. There is a spoiler in this, so let's not talk about some particular character who we shouldn't, because there is a spoiler and people might not know. Most of the fan people do, but... I feel like most people would, but we can skip over we'll that. Skip over That's it. fine. Even though it's a major presence. Um, you know, um, Gal Gatto is just great as Wonder Woman once again. She's by far the most charismatic and interesting one to watch. Yeah, and she has the... The second most welcome smile in this, another character has the most welcome. I thought, Is oh, my God, they actually let him smile. Oh, <laughs> at last. Uh, the, the character who we're not naming. Uh, Ezra Miller plays Barry Allen the Flash. Um, I love Ezra Miller, but I just don't think he was quite right for that. He played it a bit. He actually played it like um, uh, the Quicksilver in, modelled, in the X-Men film. They've modelled him off Quicksilver's yeah. X, but by far not as good. And I don't think he's charismatic. And I, I say that I think Ezra Miller is a great actor. I'm not sure he could play for comedy. Hmm. He did work well, I thought, teaming up with the others occasionally. I think he works better with other people, not when they're all in a group. Jason Momoa playing Aquaman. 
uh, once again going to Atlantis. He was in um, da, 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 Stargate Atlantis. So you, and you, that's right. And you do <laughs> see a little bit of um, in the setup for that. I think because he's doing his own film, hmm. they introduce a little bit of what to expect. Underwater fight scenes are very hard to watch. <laughs> I don't. Like I didn't him. love it. <laughs> I don't like their take on it. I don't like him as a frat boy sort of do bro surfer. I don't. Well, I'm they, not sure. They it didn't works. really give him. Some of the characters, I think, were too thin. Hmm. And it definitely doesn't... This is a very physical actor and I don't think that ties in well with the heavy CG. Mm. You know, more stunts, more real stunts, damn it. Jeez, are they doing a Flash film? I would have... Th- no, they've got a whole bunch of um, I think they will things. just because they made an effort to cast someone who I find good in his one of the role of his father. Oh, if you go to see this film, stay to the very end of the film. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's two after there's the credits. two after scenes, credits. So. I didn't, actually. I, oh, really? I, I got to the first one. I thought, no, I'm done. <laughs> well, I think what's interesting about what DC's doing, and this is actually, this is a comment that my friend made when we were coming out, but I agree, is that they're doing things in their franchise from the villain perspective. Yeah. And I think if they do that well, they're onto something, but I'm yet to see that. Yeah, Suicide Squad didn't make that fly. But I think they've got a lot of good villains they can work with and they just need to do it well. All right. Um, yeah, no, maybe for Justice League. I didn't hate it. I enjoyed it. I did yeah, it enjoy it. It wasn't absolutely terrible, but of the five superhero, it's the weakest one. And it's. I think it's hard when you come off watching something like a Thor. Yeah. Um, this should have been... It should have been awesome, basically. I wanted more contrast. I wanted more cool group stuff. I don't think any of those people like each other. I think that's what's the trouble at the end of the day. They've got no chemistry together. And, and, and it's so sad because I wanted... I, you know, I'm a Marvel zombie, but I also have my DC origin stories and stuff. And a lot of those characters are, that you could have so much fun with them, they're iconic, mm. but... Anyway. Good soundtrack, though, I thought. Yeah, score uh, is good. And that's it for Zero G. Thank you, Rob. Joe Brunetti coming up next with Astral Glamour. This has been a podcast from Free Triple R, 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Want to hear more? Check out our website at rrr.org.au.